Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today we're talking about servant leadership. We're talking about the second quality of the servant leader, which is a leader that cultivates a culture of trust. Servant leadership, before we get into a culture of trust, is the leadership philosophy that's all about the leader serving others. It's it's very different than other philosophies. It is certainly not where the culture serves the leader, but it's where the leader is constantly looking for ways to serve the customer, serve employees, and serve people in a completely different way. And the quality of the servant leader that we want to talk about today is one of cultivating a culture of trust. Recent studies have shown a decline of trust in the world. We're declining trust in political institutions, in really all institutions that have been around for a long time, and including trust in the workplace. Some studies are now showing that the majority of people do not trust their boss. And if you ask the boss, they say they don't trust the workforce. This is not a recipe for success. Servant leaders are constantly looking to create a culture of trust. And servant leaders realize it's a difficult, never-ending process. I think about one organization where when I started, I could see a complete lack of trust. Managers did not seek to build it. And instead, the managers were excited about finding new tools to measure, manage, and monitor the employees. It was all about analytics in order to ferret out people who were not working hard enough or who were not doing exactly what they should do. And we can get them and stop them from doing this and write them up and warn them and put them on a list and fire them. This was not a culture of trust, certainly not what you want to see in trust leadership. So the goal was really micromanagement. That was the route to success. And if there was a problem, no amount of increased supervision was enough. If there was a problem, no amount of increased supervision was enough. So employees did what? They have worked to avoid management at all costs. If management came into the room, the employees were gone. And it's no wonder, instead of a culture of trust, the employees described it as a culture of fear. I noticed something else when I arrived at that company. I noticed employees use a tactic that we label here on the Aim Higher podcast as a pocket veto. Now, I'm a lawyer, so it has very specific meaning, specifically in the United States. So for those of you who don't know the pocket veto, I feel like I will do that little jingle bill on the hill, and Drew Borders will probably sing it. But it is... This, it's when the United States Congress passes a bill, but the president does not sign it within 10 days after Congress adjourns. And so effectively, if Congress adjourns and they pass some legislation and he doesn't sign it or she doesn't sign it, it means the bill is dead. So after all these committee meetings, after going back and forth, it's passed in the House of Representatives, it's passed in the Senate, it's combined, it's worked, and then it becomes a bill, but the president does not sign it. So it doesn't sign it, doesn't veto it, just puts it to the side, and therefore the bill essentially 
is debt. That's a pocket veto. So a healthy culture is one that encourages open, robust debate, allows for alternative opinions. We talked about that being the first quality of a servant leader. But in the end, everyone has to have a say. And then when the decision is made, everyone gets behind it. So there's not hidden agendas. There's not pocket vetoes that you can just carry off and walk over here. Nobody's worried about you. That does not work. Everyone, even those people who disagreed, cannot just pocket veto and walk out. Everyone, if you're leading well, is committed to the same path. So today, we're just going to touch a little bit on cultivating a culture of trust. How do you do it, right? How do you do it so that your culture is one that trust is growing and not declining? We had a podcast where we talked about how you can destroy trust and build it back up. But today we're talking about building this culture of trust. What are some ways you do it? When I say the word trust, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you think about leadership creating a culture of trust? To do this today, we have an incredible panel. I mean, incredible. Cue the music. I'm just a bill. <laughs> okay. That there was you awful. go. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of my scene. <laughs> so there's a reason why Nashville kicked Drew Bordas out of town. <laughs> and Drew Bordas is with us. He's an expert on all things operations. Tammy Spade, an expert on all things people. People. And we also have Jennifer Collins, who is here with us today. And she's an expert on all things. Uh, rewards. Rewards. <laughs> I like Wellness, rewarding people. health, happiness. Maybe happiness. Happiness. Executive on Love happiness, because that's that's the, the end goal. How do we create a culture of trust? And what do you think of when I say trust and building that culture of trust? Well, I do think of happiness when, when I hear trust, but, but maybe in more seriousness. I think of um, safety. I think of... Um, a culture where people are free to share different perspectives, diverse perspectives. I think of a culture where people can rely on one another. I think a key um, component of trust is accountability. Um, we call it doing what you say you're going to do in our organization, but it's really about keeping your word. Sure, sometimes you know we say we're going to do something and we just honestly um, forget to do it, but keeping your word builds trust, and it happens in every area of life whether you're getting a meal from a restaurant and it's consistency and they've kept their word with their brand promise, or whether it's relying on, yes, even a Georgia Tech graduate who promises to do something for you in a project and actually does it. Which should not be shocking. Well, despite the fact that they're from Georgia Tech. Yeah. That builds trust. We've got a lot to unwind on this we, podcast. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. We should just do a whole... I'm not surprised he gets it done. I'm just... Surprised that he graduated from Georgia. <laughs> so, so am I. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and how do you create a, a culture of trust and accountability together? So, so many times I hear people say, well, to create a culture of tr trust, we need safety, right? We've heard that. And, and I believe in that. You need some level of safety. You don't want to feel like you're under attack. At the same time, you can't create one where people feel so safe that there's no challenge. And so you have to, as a leader, challenge and raise the bar, which may make some people uncomfortable and feel like they're unsafe. 
And yet that's what leaders do. So you're still trying to create that environment of trust where I'm interested in you and want you to do well, but not where I'm challenging. And I certainly don't want to embarrass you or something like that where it's, where it's too much. Have you seen that interplay between challenge and safety and trust? I was watching, um, this, this was a little news story over the last couple of days. It was the perfect balance of that, I think, because it was an athlete. Um, I won't mention the name, but an NFL athlete. You might uh, recognize the name. I won't mention it, Tom Brady. But he was encouraging his maybe seven, eight-year-old daughter to For our jump. international audience, that's uh, football American style. American which, style football quarterback. <laughs> won the Super Bowl. They'll say so, it's not football, but that's... They won't. That's right. Different kind of football. But he was trying to get his um, little daughter to jump into water, to swim, and she didn't want to do it. And he was encouraging her to trust him. And so he grabbed her hand and they jumped in. That's a great balance because she felt safe. She had his hand, but he was also pushing her a little bit outside her comfort zone. So, you know, in a very different way, obviously, we can do that as leaders. We can push people outside their comfort zone for the purpose of learning or for the purpose of the organizational strategy um, because we, we do learn in uncomfortable situations. But we can trust that whoever's asking us to do that is going to do it in a way that we're not going to be, you know, our career might not be heard. And I, th I think the way you dig into some of these situations as a leader, when, when you spot one at work, and I had an example where I was in an environment where um, I was new to a company and they were trying to get me up to speed and I got a report from operations and then separately I got a report from finance and the reports were getting at the same topic with different numbers, different outcome at the bottom and I just, it just struck me as weird. I was like, I'm not used to getting two different reports with different numbers that are getting at the same thing. What's going on here? Oh, we don't trust each other. Oh, well, that's good. Most people don't tell you that that blatantly. How do we dig into this, right? What's going on versus being on the attack and immediately shuts everybody down, creates the culture of fear, right? This is stupid. This is crazy. Who would ever do this? Just just more of a, a curiosity, right? I'm new here. What, what? Why do I see this, you know? And the way you're, you do that as a leader, you kind of set the tone. Or can you trust me or not? Think not, about the rework. <laughs> In, in that example, think about the rework that happens oh, in an organization without trust. Chaos and rework because I don't trust you. I'm going to redo what what you did. The waste. I'm going to go and verify. Yes. There's just it's it can't be high performing mm -mm. because that foundation isn't there. Jennifer's always yeah. bringing in data too. She's always bringing in the facts, and yet people can distrust the data. I suppose if mm -hmm. they don't believe in you. I mean, they'd have to believe in you. And when you bring data, we believe the data because we believe in you. And I think sometimes you have to look through the data to the person. Or do you look through the person to the data? Uh, it depends on the situation. But, you know, there's that saying where it's not that I, I don't trust you. I just don't want to be in a position where I feel like I have to trust you. And so I think that's a, a big part is where you have someone who does what they say they're going to do. And they're, they've shown you they're accountable and they show that they're interested in you and that they trust you. And then you have kind of that. Um, relationship with them that's been established, then you, you do get more comfortable and you feel like you can, you know, more so create or cultivate that culture of trust. Absolutely. I mean, trust gives you, I know this is so engineering, gives you shortcuts and efficiency in a very healthy way, right? Where 
you can say, hey, I've got a relationship with you. We've done this before. I know you've got the numbers. I know you wouldn't even bring this to me if you hadn't already thought it out. Great. Go for it. Right. It just makes everything faster. When you go into a company, when you're visiting a company, when you're applying and you go in to interview for a company, nobody here is doing that. What do you do to assess and figure out, is this a company that is one that's full of trust? Is this a culture that is trust? How do you know? And and I ask that because you've all been in multiple companies, multiple environments, some of you consulting, so you saw many, many companies even in a single year. How do you walk in and know that? Because you're right, some of them don't walk in and tell you right away. It'd be nice oh, if they yeah. walked in and said, well, no, we're not a culture of trust. But how do you know? What, what are you looking for? I, I think like Tammy said earlier, with experience helps. And that's that's one of the things that I valued about consulting. They call it, you know, dog years almost of you get to see so many different cultures in a short amount of time that you get to pick up on some warning signs earlier. Um, I had one where the CEO came into a, a, a project status update and it wasn't going well. And he dictated what needed to happen coming out of that. When he's the CEO, I walked out as the consultant. I started putting that into action. And I got pulled aside by the CIO and they said, what are you doing? You're confusing everybody. I said, well, the, the CEO just said we should do this. Oh, he doesn't mean that. And I thought, oh boy, what have I gotten into here? Right. But it's experience that tells you that's not normal, not okay. Yeah. And you know, Tammy had mentioned on an earlier podcast how she had walked by and, and witnessed an interview taking place and how the the hiring manager was talking when she walked by one time and then walks by again and they're talking again. And I think that's another thing is if, to your point, if you're going in and you're interviewing and you're trying to, to figure out, is this a culture of trust? Is that person listening? Like, mm. you know, you're asking questions. Right. Are they listening to what you're saying? Or are they basically telling you, here's the job? Here's what we need you to do. Here's what your day is going to look like. Yeah, that's a good one. Here's a couple. Um, I just spoke to a group of interns in our company, and I shared killer, what I called killer culture questions. Basically, these are people who are you know, serving in internships, and they're going to be going out and looking at various companies. And I gave them a few questions to think about to assess exactly what you're talking about. One was, what happens here when people make mistakes? Because if you can understand how people are treated when they make mistakes and you ask that question of maybe a little panel of interviewers. And or, you don't want the answer to be, I don't know, we don't have them here anymore. I don't know, we don't have them here or, oh, we never talk about those things or, well, you know, people That's get in trouble. That is, it yeah. is. It is. And the other thing I love to do and encourage people to do if there's time to do it, and I know candidates do it in our organization as well, is come a little bit early and just sit and watch go into the cafeteria, sit in the lobby, watch how people are interacting with each other, watch how they treat each other. That's a really good way to just, you know, get a sense of what the culture looks like without even asking a question. That's good. I, I tell people often, one way to tell if you have a culture of trust, look at people's faces. It, it's interesting, right? You can tell if you're watching a conversation, if there's trust, you can watch the body language, somebody leaning away, are their arms crossed? You just did that perfectly too. <laughs> you know, do they have that frown? Are they scowling at you? It, 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 either it tells you there's a culture of trust or it tells you that there's just a culture of misery. But either way, you don't want to work there unless you're able to affect it and change it in a very quick way. I, I think about building trust. And whenever I do, I'm always thinking about these 
corporate retreats with the corporate rope courses. And do you remember this period, right? Or this trust one fall. I love. The oh, the trust fall. Fall, fall yep. back. Whatever. We did that last year. You guys are talking like this is <laughs> yeah, ancient history. Right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't trust you. In the, no. <laughs> Falling backwards? Are you kidding me? No, thank you. And uh, and yet that's, that's a common thing. I, I always wonder because whether or not I'm going to fall backwards physically has really little bearing, in my opinion, on whether I trust you to get the job done, trust that you're going to do what you say, and all of those types of things. So um, I'm not sure that those little games work. Well, I have uh, a confession that I've heard from uh, uh -oh. coaches and people before which they told me is I trust too easily. You know, most people trust is built on relationship. It's built on experience. It's built over a long period of time. And I make my assessments very quickly and trust immediately almost. And it's very hard then to undo that trust. Now it's possible. And, uh, and certainly it happens, but I tend to trust quicker than most people are you, where are you on that spectrum and why do you do you are you a trust quick or are you a wait 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 trust or are you it takes five years or are you i never trust anybody where are you all on that spectrum i'm curious you know i i think there are two kinds of people the first waits to see if they can trust the person so they, it's almost like they start with the bank account empty and as they have experiences and there are consistent experiences, they start to put deposits in the bank account and then they decide to trust. The other group of people are like you are, and they, they give them a full bank account at the beginning. They only start to take debits when they have experiences that would detract from I that. I think the one area you haven't run is finance. Finance, so that no. May, I should try that. Technology. That has maybe. struck fear in the heart of our CFO, just, just to hear that, those words. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, me personally, I, I think I'm more on the side of um, I watch and wait to see. I'm probably somewhat in the middle, but maybe leaning more toward I don't trust until I know that I can. I mean, I think it depends on the the scale of what you're trusting also. Sure, um, yeah. Because, I mean, I think I, I trust probably earlier, right? I like to assume good intent. Um, I'm not going to walk around and make sure you're sitting at your cube. But I'm not going to approve a $5 million ask day two of knowing you either, no matter what you strike me as, right? That, that big ask takes, takes some knowing, right? And so I think that kind of plays into it a little bit as well. You're about the project, the data, I the can't goal, help it. goal orientation, not relationship orientation. And so you're looking right. at, at that. That's goal. why other people are on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Jennifer, where are you on that spectrum? Do you trust early or late? Or I am probably more along the lines with Tammy. I'm more of kind of wait and see. I'm, I hate to say judge a character, but it's really the feeling, the vibe that I get with a person kind of dictates whether I think I can trust them off the bat. And, it, and it'll go with that. And then as soon as I think something happens, it, it takes a while to rebuild it after that. And then yeah. she puts us all in a spreadsheet and she has columns for experiences and she ranks and rates and scores us <laughs> on those experiences. I'm on her it's, side. It's, with yeah. Her. And then at the end, if we get a score of 32, then she trusts. That's right. I'm you used to be you. a green and then you were a yellow and now you're, you're right borderline <laughs> on that red threshold. We need to bring you back into the green. You, you and Drew are sitting uh, next to each other here and I you're both no, Excel uh, lovers. Yeah, I have uh, no problem with what she just said. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he gets it. The thing that I like is that you're both willing to resort at any time. So a new input, new data, you do resort. You That's don't right. leave it the Excel spreadsheet static. So that's quite interesting. Also, so individually, we we do that. And then I've also found cultures, right? So whole organizational corporate cultures will also be doing the same thing. So I've walked into some place where we trust you quickly as the leader. We trust you inherently and immediately, and let's go. And then others where you very much feel this collective, hmm, we're studying you, we're watching you. We're researching you. We want to know you. And have you seen that difference? And and by the way, personally, I've seen, because I'm very public and out there with podcasting and blogs and sharing my thoughts and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and whatever else pops up, Instagram's the big new one that I'm still not a master of, but it is... Um, it closes the gap of trust perhaps faster because people can get to know you faster if if you do all those things. That's why I think social media, which can be challenging and problems and, you know, I was warned by some people toxic and all of those kind of things, but it can also be beautiful. It can be wonderful because it can close that trust gap faster between people because you can get to know them. I also think this podcast, right, because people might read and see one thing, but then if they hear you, it may be a different kind of feeling, I suppose. Have you seen that? What's your reaction to that? Cultures, not just people judging trust, but whole cultures making that we're, we're half empty or we're empty or we're full in terms of the trust bucket on the initial go. Is that just my observation or have you seen that as well? I think cultures get there by what works. I mean, it's that, it's that, uh, the example you used where, you know, that you, the student adapted and and did exactly what the teacher wanted and got an A, right? I mean, when you get a whole organizational culture working that way, it's because that's what lets you survive. And that's, that, that's another sign that, oh, maybe I'm not in the right place right now. If it's careful, careful, don't step out of line, don't say that, ooh, don't voice your opinion in the wrong meeting, you know, that, that people learn that behavior. They don't, they don't come in there naturally doing that. Do they trust you even when you would come in as a consultant quicker? Do you see some organizations, we trust you, you're a consultant, you're an expert. Totally. Well, oh, when we, you have we the would data. teach that. <laughs> yeah. But are there other places where we don't trust you? We need to see what you're about. Or do they just all trust you? That's the magic of the consultant. Yeah. I Well, yeah. If you come in as a consultant, doesn't everyone trust you? The consultant said, well, you know, the consultant said. Um, I don't. I'm the opposite with that. I trust people, but I don't actually trust the consultant. Sometimes it's just saying. You're trying to sell me something. That's true. Sometimes the consultant can say something that others have been saying, and somehow it brings a different level of, I don't know, importance or influence with it. But yeah, I mean, I think organiz I think cultures are an amalgamation of people. So they're across the continuum. It probably relies a lot on their past experience. If they've had experiences that lead them to think um, that they can't trust the leader, for better or for worse, organizational, you know, the, it's the shadow of the leader concept. Whoever the top leader is in the organization, they have much more influence over the culture. So if there have been prior leaders that were inconsistent or said one thing but acted another way or, you know, made a commitment and sometimes we can't meet our commitments but maybe they didn't do it in an upfront way – then you go in as a new leader to that team or that organization, that's going to be a lot harder because it's going to mm. take a long time to rebuild that trust. 
Whereas if people follow you and you were a leader who were, you know, you, you kept your word, you were authentic, you were transparent, there was consistency, there weren't pocket vetoes, um, that's a much easier entry to make. So the culture that you're walking into, I'm really understanding it. How do you assess that as a new person coming in? How do you assess where it is on that scale? In or, I mean, in order to move it to what you want it to be, you have to understand what is it today? It's funny because as Tammy was talking through that, I was thinking, I was doing a little self-reflection and thinking, have I been safe because my background is in consulting and it's in data analysis and the data doesn't lie and math is math. Any country you go to, any language, math is math. And so for me, that's always kind of been my backup, my support. It's like, well, just trust me. I'm, I'm, this is the data. The data doesn't lie. But then I'll use an example is when I interviewed here at OCLC and the team that I was going to be leading, you know, we worked through all that. They had to ask me all the questions specific to the, the functions and the disciplines that I'd be overseeing. But then they ended up with, what's your favorite beer? And so to me, I was thinking, <laughs> excellent question. <laughs> exactly. And, but it's funny because this, it's like that to me was kind of them saying, okay, we trust that you know what you're doing. You'll be able to lead us. You'll be able to help us and support us and mentor us and help us grow. So let's just, we're done with that. Now, happy hour. What's your favorite beer? You, you passed the test. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a new, that's a new uh, <laughs> business wrinkle on the old political kind of test of, do we want to have a beer with you yeah. uh, to elect you president? There so you go. that's, that's fantastic. And I have to say, I've never seen this before, but Drew just drew a heart on his chest. Well, when she said math Drew is said math, math, and is I, was, math. <laughs> I was just like, man, and, she, she gets me. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's not much that strikes feelings in, in him other than data and math. So that's yeah. a wonderful thing. Um, so, we need to get together soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. We have our own podcast. <laughs> on beer. It'd be really cool. Right. Beer and Excel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'll just... Listen as you click through and do your Excel spreadsheets. Well, I want to end with uh, a few quotes. William Shakespeare. I haven't quoted William Shakespeare on this podcast I don't think before. you have. I think he's quoted a few times. I think now's the time. Love all, trust a few, do wrong to no one. I think that is a good quote. But then J.M. Barry, do you know who that is? Peter Pan. And he said this, all the world is made of faith and trust, and pixie dust. And I think that's very true. So here's wishing to a wonderful week ahead for you, a world full of faith, trust, and pixie dust in whatever you do. Thank you to my esteemed panel, and I hope everyone is enjoying and learning to be a servant leader by valuing diverse opinions and cultivating a culture of trust. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.